Exodus 16, verses 1 to 12. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we all sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumblings against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumblings against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, They looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. So God's people have been delivered out of Egypt. They have seen God at work in amazing ways. He's brought down all those plagues and eventually Pharaoh has said, yes, you can go, but then he chased after them. And then God opened up the Red Sea and the people went across in safety and then the water closed back up so that the Egyptians couldn't come after them. And they end up in the desert, the promised land, what they've been waiting for for years and years and years. You would think they would be dancing and rejoicing and celebrations. Instead, which word comes in this passage more than any other word? Grumbling. Are we there yet? Who goes in the car? Really excited to go on holiday. Yes, yes, yes. Does that, Jane, do you recognise that? Are we there yet? Do you know that, Alex? Is that like that in the car? It's just so hard to wait, isn't it? And so you say, are we there yet? It's so easy to grumble. Things can be so good. And yet we find things to grumble about. We can look around us and actually if we put on our happy hat, we think, yes, life is good. But it's so much easier to find the problems, to find the negative things, and to grumble. What these people are grumbling about now is that they are hungry. And actually, 
We do grumble when we're hungry. Blood sugar is low and life is difficult. And if you've got children, you know it's another meal time is ready. And it makes such a... Five o'clock's the worst time, isn't it, with children? A lot of grumbling going around because actually they're tired and they're hungry. God's people are tired and hungry. And they are grumbling and they're forgetting what has actually happened. They're forgetting the reality of where they have been. It was terrible in Egypt. And they haven't been out very long when they're saying, actually, we wish we were back there. Because at least we had a meal to eat. They were in captivity. They were slaves. They were working every hour there was. At one point, Pharaoh said, we're not even going to give you the tools and the equipment. You've got to find those yourselves. And they still had to produce the same amount of work. It was not good. And how quickly they have forgotten that because they're feeling a little bit hungry. And they grumble and complain. And God hears their grumbling. And as the patient parent that he is, he doesn't turn to them and say, oh, for heaven's sake, get a grip. He says, I'm hearing you. Because the time in the desert is a time when God is revealing himself to his people. And he wants them to know who he truly is. On our first sermon on this, we talked about the name of God, Yahweh. When Moses met God in the burning bush, God said to him, I am sent you. God is saying, this is who I truly am. And the journey with his people through all the horrors that have happened And through the time they will spend in the desert is a really important time in the history of God's people. It's when God reveals who he truly is. And so rather than saying, oh, for heaven's sake, you lot, you're really grumbling over nothing. Get a grip. He says, this is an opportunity, a chance for me to reveal myself to my people again as who I am. I am God the provider, Jehovah Jireh, the provider. If you wanted to do a study of the names of God through the Bible, you would see that he is written as his character at different times. Jehovah Jireh is God the provider. And he reveals himself to his people here as the provider. And he provides in a miraculous way. He sends down overnight manna that lands. And if we carried on, we would have seen it. The, the manna lands like snowdrops on the ground and is like bread as they eat it. And in the evening time, he provides quail so they have meat to eat. And in another chapter, the next chapter along, when they're feeling thirsty, he provides water from a rock. He gives them what they need to survive. He gives them food and water. But he gives it in a particular way. He gives it to them as they need it. And he says, this is a lesson for you, as well as learning who I am, God the provider, you also need to learn to trust me. You need to trust that I will do as I have promised, that each day I will give you what you need. So I don't want you to store up stuff. I don't want you to collect it all and keep it just in case. And when they try that, it goes bad. 
Because actually it's more important that they learn to trust God. And gradually they realize that they just, they can't rely on themselves. They have to believe in God, that he is revealing himself as he truly is. And that he will continue to provide for them. And we have that same idea when we pray the Lord's Prayer. When we come to God and say, give us this day our daily bread, what we're saying is, don't give me a whole pile of things that I will then know I'm fine for the next 20 years. We are coming to God like his people in the desert saying, please God, I trust you. I trust that you will give me today what I need for today. And he continues to provide. And there are so many current stories of God's provision, of where God has in amazing, miraculous ways provided, as well as in the day-to-day things. And I want to show you a short video clip. A lady called Patricia, who's going to tell us her story of when God provided in a miraculous way for her. Thank you. Hello, I'm Patricia. I've seen God work in lots of wonderful ways in my life um, through many circumstances and times. In the 1980s, I worked in Jamaica. My husband was a minister there, and I was the minister's wife. And I was in the manse uh, with two small children. My husband had gone to visit a church which was about 30 miles away, which meant that he'd gone from early morning and was going to be coming back in the evening, probably after it had turned dark. A young woman came to the door and she was very poor and um, very needy and she had two small children, younger than my two children, and she came asking for some food. And I thought, what food can I give her? I've, I've only got the food in the kitchen for the four of us to eat. I had some rice, some vegetables, um, that was going to be our dinner. So I put the rice and the vegetables into a bag and I gave her the food. I, I prayed with the woman and she went away and then I spent some more time with the children. And not long after that, someone else arrived at the door. And this was a man who worshipped with us on a Sunday. He had come some distance on foot and he'd been walking to our house um, for several hours. And he'd set out that morning and uh, he'd come because he wanted to deliver to the manse, to the church family, some of the fruit from his field. And this was the Lord providing food for our dinner. And what struck me was that the Lord knew that that evening I would need to feed my husband and myself and our two children. And he sent this man out in the morning, set him out on the road to me. And when I gave the rice and vegetables to the lady who was at the door, this man was already on the way. So the Lord was meeting my need before I even knew I had a need. powerful story in so many different ways. Firstly, that she would give away everything because she saw somebody in greater need than herself. Secondly, her trust that somehow it would be okay. And thirdly, that sign that God actually had things in hand 
before she even prayed, Lord, I need some food. It's just amazing that God the provider cares for us in that way. And there's so many lessons to learn from that. We are so privileged to live where we do that I have never had no food in the house to feed my family with. But there are some who do live like that. And around the world, for many, that is the norm. But my sense of what I need can be so inflated and I can come to God more and more as the, as the, you know, the bank manager to give me some nice things rather than coming before him saying, give me today my daily bread and trusting day by day that he will provide for my needs. I like to plan ahead. I like to know what's happening in silly things as well as in big things. Paul and I are off on holiday this afternoon and we're going down to Dorset and next week our boys may or may not come and join us. The may or may not is the thing that worries me. Because I would like to know when they're coming and what meals I will need to provide for them. Instead, I actually have to think how wonderful they want to come and spend some time with us. How wonderful that we will have time together. And actually, the meal is the the least important aspect of that. And as they are the age they are, I am having to fight against my instinct to be so planned and organised that I put that on them who, for whatever reason, are not able to tell me what day they're coming. You might think they should be able to, but that's not how they're operating. And if I say, well, you can only come if you tell me when and how long you're staying, they won't come. And that is a lesson to me about actually trusting for the day to day and being content and actually being a little bit more relaxed and making sure I've got plenty in which I can do, that I can just do whatever. We can always put the barbecue on. We can go and buy fish and chips. At the end of the day, it does not matter. But that is my natural instinct, is to think ahead and think, what do I need then? Paul and I have parents who are both needing a little bit more help for different reasons. And again, I'd love to know in in a year's time, in two years' time, what do we need to have in place for them? And yet that's not possible at the moment. And we're living in this sort of slightly not quite ideal. They are both fine at the moment in the situation they're in. But that situation for both of them for different reasons won't go on forever. And I would love to know when it will change. At what point do we need to come in with plan B if we even knew what plan B was? And we can't do that. But I have to live knowing that God loves us. He loves my mum. He loves Paul's dad. And that when the time comes, it will be clear that plan B or C or D needs to come into place. And even if it's complicated at the time and stressful, that his hand will be on it. But it'd be so much easier to know that this will carry on until this time and then on this particular date we'll move into this phase and then on that date this will happen and everything will just fall neatly into place. And it's uncomfortable to live as we're living. But it's making me trust in God for the day to day because if I believe in God the provider, why am I worrying If I see the example of God's people in the wilderness living day by day, if I say that daily in the Lord's Prayer, give me this day my daily bread, why am I fretting? 
There are so many lessons to learn in this. Because God is the provider. That is his name, one of many names. And he does give us what we need. He doesn't give us what we think we need. He gives us what we need in the moment. And it may not be a six-year provision either. And so I need to learn to trust him. To follow his way and to believe that he does know best. As God's people travelled through the wilderness, they were putting down solid foundations of faith. We can look back at them and think, oh, for heaven's sake, how could you get it so wrong? They got it so wrong because they were learning who God was. God was revealing himself in a way that he had never revealed himself before. They did not know that he was God the provider. So it is not a wonder that they were worried. They were learning who God was. And in that journey through the wilderness, the most precious time, it must have been horrendous, but they were drawing close to God. He was revealing himself to them and they were learning who he was so that they could set those foundations for themselves and for the generations to come. The Psalms speak of who God is, often based on what happened in the wilderness. And God's people sang them to remember who God is. And that became part of their very, very being. So God is a provider. He provides for us. And we can sing and rejoice. Would you please stand?